Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki Season 2 is... Marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? Oh boy. How am I now? I'm not glad I asked. Because I just had to sit through 60 minutes of the Montreal Canadiens losing 3 to nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes. Hello and welcome to episode 77, double sevens of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. And uh, that game was dog shit. Um, that was really not like if if I if I paid money to be in the building in the Bell Center for that one, I would I, I would request a refund. I wouldn't get it. Let's face facts; they're they're not giving anybody refunds for tickets. But I would request it strongly. I would send a letter directly to Jeff Molson. I've done it before, um, and I've also not gotten a refund before. So. <laughs> Uh, let's face it, you're not getting your money back. Yeah, you, you sat through it, you watched it, you paid for it. It's your own damn fault. I feel bad for everybody who had to sit through that game. The Habs had absolutely nothing going on for them in that game outside of their goaltender. And um, <laughs> it was rough. It was rough from pillar to post. I'm going to do the recap against my better judgment, <laughs> I think. Anybody who has watched that game probably doesn't want to hear the recap. Anybody who hasn't, you know, I, I think that's where maybe you might want to understand why I'm so miffed about that one. Um, it took a while to get this thing going. All right. It took a while, but sure as God's got sandals, it's the Canes that score first. Shots are nine to one in favor of the Carolina Hurricanes. And the ninth is a weird one. Brady Shea gets the puck at the point. He actually fans on his first shot attempt completely. But nobody comes out to check him. So he just reloads, takes a look, shoots through traffic, and gets it through one nothing for the Canes. Nothing else from there. But you get to the end of the first period, and the shots are 18-5 to in favor of the Carolina Hurricanes. This could get ugly. It could already be ugly, if not for how well Samuel Montembeau played in the first period. Now, most people who listen to this podcast, you will have heard me last episode. I was talking about, can, can the Habs get to 20 shots in this game? But with five first period shots, I'm now wondering, can they get to 15? Can they even get to 15 against the Canes? We're going to find out. We get into the second period, and in the second period, it's more the same. They just cannot get out of their own zone. It's like the puck is magnetized. 
to Samuel Montembeau somehow, and it just needs to be in that zone. It's just finding its way to that zone no matter what. They can't get anything going in transition, and the Hurricanes are just suffocating them on the forecheck. And of course, it eventually gets through Samuel Montembeau as well. As well as he was playing, there's not too much that he can do about certain opportunities. And on their 30th shot of the game, 30 shots for the Carolina Hurricanes at the midway mark of the second period. So halfway through the game, they're at 30 shots already. This time it's Brent Burns. Takes a point shot. Paul Stastny gets a piece of it on the way. So it's a tip shot. They needed those in order to get anything through Montembeau on this particular night. And it's 2 to nothing for the Canes. Really, hats off to Montembeau. He made their life hell when it came to actually getting anything past him. Getting opportunities was no problem. Getting something through him with those opportunities was a completely different story. But later on in the period, power play for Carolina and briefly a hab. Sebastian Ajo makes it 3-0. Uh, of course, keep in mind, he did sign a contract with the Montreal Canadiens at one point, but that contract was matched. We all know the story. And then Jesperi Kakanemi, that whole situation happened. And actually, speaking of Jesperi Kakanemi, the Habs fans in the building, they really ramped up their booze for KK in that second period. Um, in the first period, they were kind of quiet. But in the second period, anytime he touched it, they were immediately, they were on him and they were booing as loud as they possibly could. Um, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite him, right? Shots at the end of the period, 36 to 10. Holy fuck. This is ugly. We go into the third period. And at the end of the second period, actually, Kakanyemi, who had been getting booed mercilessly the whole period, he takes a run at Johnny Kovacevic and actually does like a jumping, like basically a Superman punch with his left arm, takes a swing at Kovacevic and then refuses to fight Kovacevic. I thought that was odd. I feel like if you're going to take a run at somebody and then take a swing at him, you should probably be prepared to fight. Kakanyemi, not known as a fighter, but we've seen him do it before. He beat the piss out of who? Uh, was it Jesper Bratt? I forget who it was, but he beat the piss out of somebody when he was playing for the Habs. He can fight. Kovacevic's not exactly a fighter himself. I don't know why you're going to take a swing like that at somebody and then refuse to fight. I mean, you should be prepared for it if you're going to do something like that, but I digress. We go into the third period. The Habs have a short power play at the start of that period as a result of uh, Jesperi Kakanyemi's attempt to punch uh, Johnny Kovacevic in the face, and they do nothing with it. And uh, that set the tone for the rest of the third period. It got right back to the Carolina Hurricanes with their shooting gallery going on. They got their 40th shot on goal with 13 minutes to go in the third period. And normally you expect like score effects to kick in, right? The team with the lead kind of sits back a little bit and allows the other team to climb back into that shot race. But the Carolina Hurricanes, I got to give them credit here. They kept their forecheck on. They were on top of the Habs every step of the way. And uh, they just couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. And that allowed the Carolina Hurricanes to just kind of do really whatever they wanted. Get to the end of the game. Your final score is 3 to nothing, as I mentioned already. And the shots on goal, 50 to 14 in favor of the Hurricanes. I mentioned it earlier in the recap. Could they get to 15 even in this game? And the answer this time is no, they did not. They had 14 shots on goal through 60 minutes of play. Uh, that's pitiful. I, I'm, I'm all for tanking, right? I'm all for them losing. Frankly, we went into this game at the very start of it 
I was expecting them to lose and I wanted them to lose because the last thing that they need is to give Arizona an opportunity to move ahead of them in the draft lottery odds race. But man, watching them play a game and get 14 shots on goal through 60 minutes of play is rough. That's not even five shots per period. Not even. You manage five shots per period through the first two periods and despite being down three nothing, you couldn't even get to five shots in the third period. Man, oh, that's one of the uglier games you're going to see. I hope we don't see any more of those from here on out. There aren't many left. There's only five to go. So you, you got to think they're going to have better efforts from here on out. That one, you got to park it. You got to forget about it. You got to move on to the next one. Keep losing by all means. Like I said, I have no problem with losses at this stage of the year. But I, I, I do have a problem with 14 shots on goal through 30 minutes. I think I've said this before on, on previous episodes. My coach in AAA back in the day had a rule where if you didn't get 30 shots on goal in a game, the next practice was a bag skate. The next practice was no pucks. I hope Martin Saint-Louis is taking them out for a practice tomorrow with no fucking pucks. None. You don't get to shoot around. We're not going to have fun. You guys don't like shooting. You guys hate shooting. So what are we going to do? We're going to do what you like to do, which is just skate around for an hour see how you feel about that after an hour of just bag skate rough i'm gonna settle down now there's no reason for me to be upset uh for the entire episode um again i'm all for the tank i just don't want to see games like that um but we got to pick what a silver lining of the night and (laughs) i'm tempted to go to the laval rocket for this one I'm tempted to, and, and I'll tell you why. Because while I was watching this game, Scott Matlow, my buddy from My Habs Eyes on the Prize, he's giving me updates on the Laval Rocket, and he's sharing us uh, his clips. Again, I'll plug Scott Matlow's Twitter. It's just at Scott Matlow. You can go and take a look if you haven't seen it yet. But Emil Heineman scored his sixth goal in six games. I think he got a seventh as well, if I'm not mistaken. The guy can absolutely rip it. His shot is ridiculous. If you take a look at my Twitter, at DrakeMT, there I go plugging my own Twitter again. I even clip uh, a little screenshot from one of Scott's gifts. You can see the flex that he gets in his stick when he rips it, man. There, there was people that initially were comparing him to uh, Arturi Lekkanen, which is kind of weird because he does not have the same defensive game that Lekkanen did. But uh, he might be closer to like a Max Pacioretty. And I know that's a lofty comparison. Uh, I might be going a little bit ahead of myself here. But at the end of the day... This is a guy who can really shoot the puck. I don't know. He might complicate things a little bit next season uh, when it comes to seeing who can crack the roster because it's definitely going to be uh, it's going to be one of the more heated camps with people vying for the few open spots that are going to be there uh, with the big club. And uh, man, uh, I, I feel like he might have a significant opportunity there if he can keep playing like this with Laval for the rest of the season. Who knows? He might have a shot at the Habs next year, but. I have to pick a silver lining from this actual game. And who could blame me? The only person I can think of going with is Samuel Montembeau. He was fantastic in that game. Absolutely fantastic. Again, 50 shots. He lets in three. And all three of those goals, you can't fault him on them. Right? Any goaltender could have let those in. Carey Price, at his absolute best, maybe keeps that one to 2 nothing. 
right? He's not he's not posting a shutout against those 50 shots. There was too many quality opportunities. At one point, Moulton Bowl made a save, right? So he's coming, he's, he's sliding to his right, and he makes a save with his blocker side, and it gets a piece of his stick, and he drops his stick. And as he's still sliding to his right, the puck comes back up the boards, and he gets another shot coming at him from the other side. And while he's sitting down in his net, he reaches out and makes a glove save. This kid played a ridiculous game ridiculous I've talked about this too many times this season so far so I'm sorry if I sound a little bit repetitive but it would be really interesting to me if Samuel Montambo could really lean into this opportunity that he has here next year and again I think he's probably the 1A if you have a 1A 1B situation with him and Jake Allen he's the 1A let's say the Habs start out hot next year and they win seven of their first 10. I know, wishful thinking, right? But let's say they do it. If it puts them in a position where they're potentially jockeying with other teams for a playoff position in the early goings of the season, does anybody here not think that they're going to give all of their biggest games to Samuel Montambo from there on out? It's pretty clear based on this season, he's the better of the two. And I'm not trying to shit on Jake Allen. It's not like he's been brutal this season at all. Samuel Montembeau's just been better. There's maybe a dark way to look at this, which is kind of problematic in my view, which is that you know they might be better off if Samuel Montembeau was not this good. But the optimist in me wants to say, look, the possibility that he becomes their next starter seems stronger now. And if he can continue this level of play that he's been on all year, he could be a legitimate starter in the NHL. Whether that's with the Montreal Canadiens or with somebody else, either you're going to have an opportunity to trade him somewhere else, or you could ride that hot hand and see what happens. I don't think anybody thinks that the Habs are going to make the playoffs next year, so there's no pressure. He's going to be in very much a similar situation that he is this year. But you can you know, ride him a little bit more. You could give him 50 games. Give him 55 games and give Jake Allen the rest and see what happens. I don't know. All I can say is that performance against the Hurricanes was fantastic. Um, he's the only reason that that game wasn't like eight or nine to nothing. It could have easily been nine to nothing. If it was, it could have been anywhere from six to eight nothing, and you still wouldn't have been able to blame him. You still would have looked at it like, well, you know, what, what's he going to do? That. <laughs> That's how bad the Habs were in that game. That he, It could have been 6 nothing, and I still wouldn't be able to sit here and say, well, Samuel Montembeau sunk him in that one. They didn't do shit offensively. They were getting hemmed in their own zone, suffocated by the Hurricanes' forecheck. You do have to give, again, as I mentioned earlier, some credit to the Hurricanes for how good their forecheck is, but uh, the, the Habs had no answer for it, and it seemed like they didn't even try to come up with an answer for it in between periods either. And Samuel Montembeau through all of that was just stellar. Fantastic. Uh, I got to tip my hat to him for that one. That was really, uh, honestly, the, the one redeeming quality of that game was seeing what he was able to do in net. Uh, everything else was, uh, was really rough to watch. I don't have anything else to say about the players in that game. Um, Montembeau was really the only one I felt like was, was worth talking extra about here. Uh, Sean Farrell had a nice skate at the end of the game. Mike Matheson had a few nice skates, but for the most part, 
everything from outside of the net was was brutal. So uh, I want to try to stay positive for the remaining games that we've got. So I don't want to get into it too much more. Um, I guess we could take a look at the the out-of-town scoreboard there. And even that kind of pisses me off a little bit. As of me speaking right now, San Jose is up 1-0 over Arizona. That's a game I was really hoping Arizona would win to pull them away from the Habs a little bit. Um, Of course, Florida won. Uh, They were playing against Columbus today. So I think that was one that probably had to mark down ahead of time as a win for Florida. Uh, They beat Columbus 7-0, so that's not surprising, but also less than ideal for the Habs. Uh, Good news, Buffalo won, so they kind of keep pace with Florida a little bit, and they can still try to challenge um, for that final playoff spot, which is good. We we, we definitely need to have more challengers for Florida. Uh, But Pittsburgh lost to Boston 4-3. So that's a that's a rough one for that Florida pick. That might Pittsburgh is the uh, Florida's biggest chance of getting into the playoffs. Is Pittsburgh, if they shit the bed, Florida could easily take their spot as one of the wild cards, um, which is something that we as Habs fans really need to, you know, cross our fingers and hope to avoid. But look, uh, the Habs lost, so nothing's going to change in terms of their draft position at the very least. That's another piece of good news. And uh, look, they've got, what, another game on Tuesday against the Detroit Red Wings. That's probably another one. That's probably closer to a winnable game than anything else that they've got for the remainder of the year. So it's entirely possible they end up winning that one. We might have to just eat that. But, hey, I'm going to be watching that one um, on my computer while I sit live in the press box for Riley Kidney's Game 3 against the St. John Sea Dogs. So I'm going to be live in the building for that one, and hopefully I'm going to have an interview for you guys thereafter, and I'll put out a separate podcast. Um, that's all I've got for you about the Habs right now. Um, we're running, what, 17 minutes and change, and it's going to be a little bit longer after my final spiel here. So this is the first official episode where I'm doing nothing but our new FFSN channel for EOTP. Um, anybody who had been listening to me on Substack, I appreciate you. I put out a quick article on my Substack earlier explaining what I'm going to do with that platform moving forward. Most of it is just going to be me posting prospect stuff. Um, I'll probably also post some humor articles and things of the sort, but um, I'm not abandoning it. I'm still going to have content going out on there. Uh, and of course, now the new independent Eyes on the Prize, uh, all of my content's going to be there as well. And uh, look, we're, we're entering a new era and we're going to try to bring more and more content for you guys um, as much as humanly possible, uh, particularly heading into this next draft. We're very excited for this draft. We got two first round picks and counting. You never know. The Habs might be able to add another one before the draft actually happens. And myself personally, I'm going to be trying to take a significant focus on the CHL playoffs and the Memorial Cup uh, thereafter. I think, I suspect that we're going to have at least a couple of Habs prospects involved in the Memorial Cup tournament. We definitely have uh, a few Habs prospects that are going to be involved in potentially deep runs in their respective uh, playoffs, depending on what league they're in. Um, It should be interesting. should be interesting. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on your preferred platform. Uh, We're running now almost 19 minutes. So c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. We're on Spotify. 
Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.